You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Folks, you are going to absolutely enjoy the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes. Dr. Lee Cowden, whom I think I met probably 25, 30 years ago, he's a cardiologist, worked at the health center, the medical hospital where I worked, and I may have joined him for lunch every once in a while, but we became friends. And I saw the frustration in his practice, if you don't mind my saying this, Dr. Cowden, <laughs> I saw the frustration in his face and in his, uh, his spirit about what being a cardiologist in one of the major hospitals here in Dallas was doing to this man. And I guess if I can sum it up, you've always been interested in alternative medicine since grandma kind of taught you about this. That's right. But you were seeing patients too late over there. Way too late, yeah. You know, they, these uh, patients were, uh, you know, already had coronary disease, already had congestive heart failure, already had cardiomyopathy, uh, already had valvular disease, and they were, you know, basically in the hospital trying to survive. And uh, you know, I knew that uh, that, that wasn't necessary. That there's you know ways to reverse atherosclerotic disease if it's present, re- ways to reverse cardiomyopathy and congestive heart failure if it's present using natural means. And so it's very discouraging to see that happening. Do you recall <clears throat> in your career ever stepping out to a waiting room and telling a sobbing mother and children that Dan's gone? One of the most memorable ones was uh, when I was in training up in St. Louis. A, uh, a 35-year-old man came in in full cardiac arrest, and we worked on him for an hour and could not get him back. And uh, his wife said that he had been to the VA hospital just a few days earlier, had had a cardiac catheterization, which was comp- perfectly normal, but he died from a massive heart attack. We did an autopsy. And what nobody was re- you know, recognizing was that he was profoundly magnesium deficient and had a coronary spasm that caused the heart attack. Can I, can I walk down that road with you? <clears throat> Are you saying that uh, Epsom salts bath, you know, magnesium sulfate, uh, and magnesium supplements may have prevented that heart attack? Almost certainly would have. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. then where your interest is. Uh, you and I talked a decade ago about something called ACIM, and folks, for more information, ACIM as in mother, ACIMConnect.com. You were so excited, you were like a little boy on December 24th, talking <laughs> about ACIM, because here was an avenue that anybody could hop on with you, uh, yeah. be they a physician, and you certainly have a lot of physicians right. with you, nurses, a layperson, et cetera. Right. And you could guide them to learn what you just taught us, that when you have a patient with cardiac disease, think magnesium, it doesn't always win, but neither does a heart attack. So right. it makes sense to think about Hawthorne Berry and some of these other things. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of, lots of tools in the integrative medicine tool chest, and there's no reason why the average layperson can't learn that stuff and, and, and apply it to their, their lives and the lives of their family and friends, and, sh- and should. You know, so everyone that's listening should become a, at least a free general member of the academy. Yeah, and your, your online journals, I gotta tell you, they blew me away. Yeah. I mean, that's as good as any, you know, I published in Oncology News here. Right. And uh, I still have that original copy and I read it, it's all very technical. The cover is nowhere near as nice as your covers. <laughs> and then all the board, your medical board, of which you are the uh, chairman of the Scientific Advisory Committee, very, very impressive, I've got to tell you. Yeah. Um, Ruth and I thought, my wife and I thought, <clears throat> 
how do we get a guy like Dr. Cowden here? So you came in to tape some shows about an upcoming meeting that ACIM is having. And again, right. folks, information, ACIMConnect.com. It's coming up in Florida. Those of you who are lucky enough to live out there, uh, you'll want to attend this conference with a lot of doctors. But we thought, what's the best way to, knowing us and, and we love you as we do, what's the best way to introduce this doctor to all of you? And so we came up with this word association. And if you wouldn't mind, I'm gonna throw a couple of words at you, and if you could give me a sentence or two, so they know, they already know where your brain is. I wanna hear where your heart is. <laughs> and the first thing we came up with, because you and I had a, a candid conversation about this on the phone the other day, is portable phones. Oh, uh, death. Death? <laughs> death. Oh, you mean the ones you plug yeah. in and lift up the receiver? Yeah, yeah, because you're, you're continually broadcasting a radio frequency throughout the house and it's zapping the brain and the, and the body continuously. And so it's a terrible, terrible thing to have. You know, you should throw the thing away or, or take it to, you know, goodwill or, or give it to your worst enemy, but don't keep it in your own house. Really? Because it, because it's that harmful to your health, much more harmful than than Wi-Fi or uh, cell phones or all the other stuff that we're being bombarded with. Number two, smart meters that electrician oh. electrical companies use on the side of our house. Yeah, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Not smart, huh? No, not smart at all. <laughs> Dumb meters. <laughs> yeah, but but the, those uh, meters are are broadcasting a radio frequency signal to the uh, power company every five minutes, 24 hours a day. And uh, so it's like having a cell phone tower on the side of your house. If you want to look up what that's like, then go to uh, internet and search uh, Tower of Doom in London. Okay, really? this is a, 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 a apartment complex where they put a cell phone tower on the top. And a large percentage of the people that lived in the building developed cancer within the next couple of years. Why, why, okay, why are we doing this? I mean, we used to have that guy come by and look at the meter and write down the number and away he'd go. Are we eliminating people? Well, yes, it's eliminating people, but it's also about more control uh, over people from the government and from other sources. So, you know, now if, if they want to turn your power off, they don't have to come out to your house. They can just flip a switch at the power company yeah. and, and your, your power's off. Yeah, yeah, try not paying your bill and see if they'll stick with you. Dental amalgam. Dental amalgams are, uh, should, should be banned in the United States, have been banned in so, some other countries. Uh, now, now, fortunately, in the United States are, are not uh, to be put in the in the mouths of pregnant women, but that's that's a small start. What, but what do you use in lieu of that? Well, there's there's all kinds of materials. Uh, composite materials usually are used uh, most commonly. Those mm -hmm. are you know, jet age plastics. But uh, a, a mercury amalgam has 55% mercury, and scientists worldwide tell us that the only safe amount of mercury is zero. So the U.S. government makes, uh, you know, the, the uh, companies and the doctors that handle mercury amalgam put it in, in a biohazard container before it goes in the mouth, and when it comes out of the mouth, it has to go into a biohazard container, just like a nuclear reactive material. But while it's in your mouth, the American Dental Association says it's perfectly safe. Ruth and I were watching at Columbo the other night, and uh, this dentist wanted to murder one of his patients, and so he popped out his crown and put in uh, digoxin, and mixed it with a little carrier, and slowly he poisoned the patient, and yeah. the patient died. And took even Colombo couldn't fix it out for a whole hour. Couldn't figure it out for a whole hour. Yeah. But what they're doing is then putting a different neurotoxin, a different kind of poison, yeah. in our mouth, and slowly over a period of time. Dr. Cowden, people, dentists have told me, come on, if amalgam was dangerous, we'd all be sick. 
No, okay. we are we are all <laughs> we sick. We are all sick. <laughs> this is America. This is the sickest country in the world. Yeah. Could it start with amalgam fillings? Yeah. You know, we're number one in the world in healthcare expenditure by 50% greater than the next closest competitor, cost yep. of, of delivery of healthcare. But we're 70th in the world as far as the quality of our health. Yeah. It, and there's a lot of third world countries that have a higher level of health than we do in this country. Let's just get them at three years old and put that amalgam in. Sleeping with a wristwatch on with a battery in it. <laughs> Not a good plan. I remember that years ago at Medical City. You were telling patients who were very sick. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's how I actually learned about electromagnetic field effect on the health. I had a little uh, battery-operated watch that I was wearing on the left wrist, and I noticed at the end of the day I was aching up to the elbow, and after a few more days, I, I noticed I was aching all the way up to the left shoulder. So I put it over into the right wrist, the left stopped hurting, the right started hurting. So I said, okay, that's it, no more of that. My wife wanted to know, when was your last soda pop? Ooh, I think it was 1970. <laughs> Goes back a ways. <laughs> You're not the kind of guy, I know you sit on a lot of airplanes. Yeah. Something about EMFs there too. Can you ground yourself on that? But we're just imagining you, you know, when the, when the hostess comes around saying, yes, I'd like a soda pop, please. Nope, don't do that. <laughs> just I do amazing. water without ice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, that was 1970. Flu shots. Where's your heart on that? Well, it, we know from research that's been done in, in Brazil and in India and in several other countries that homeoprophylaxis works just as well in preventing disease as a, as a flu vaccine or, or any other type of vaccine and has zero side effects. So why are we still using vaccines? Because it makes money. Mm -hmm. It's not because it's for the, the right thing for the health. And what are homeoprophylaxis? Homeoprophylaxis is a homeopathic substance that's administered for the purpose of stimulating the T cells of the body to, to have an immune memory. Now, it doesn't raise the antibody levels, and so that's why the government officials won't accept it. But the immunity for, for most of these uh, infections that we get is not from the antibodies, it's from the T cells. And so stimulate them, right? and, uh, and you're home free. That makes perfect sense. Chlorine fluoride and does reverse osmosis water eradicate those? Well, the the reverse osmosis does get rid of uh, mm -hmm. most of the chlorine and fluoride, but the problem is it also gets rid of all the minerals, and so you're ending up with uh, water that has no minerals in it. And so unless you're adding minerals back to that, you're, you can become mineral depleted just because you're drinking that reverse osmosis or distilled water. You like cell food? You know those I little like squirt food. bottles, eight like, drops or something. Yeah, self is a very good product. Yeah. So taking reverse osmosis water, which we have a lot of at home, yeah. and squeezing eight, ten drops of cell food in it remineralizes yeah, exactly. the water. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, the sense. other thing that happens when you when you have a water that you've recently made with a reverse osmosis filter, it's uh, it's it's hungry for solute. And the only solute it can get is carbon dioxide from the air, which converts it into carbon uh, carbonic acid inside the water. So then your water's much more acidic than it would have been. Oh, it's just, it's just, this makes so much sense to me. Farm-raised fish. <laughs> Who ever heard, I've seen cows and pigs on a farm, but fish? Well, yeah, the problem with the farm-raised fish is that they're feeding those fish things that fish don't usually eat, like ground-up cattle parts and ground-up chicken parts. And, uh, and you know, who, who knows what's in that because it's, it's commercially produced chickens and cattle which have pesticides and herbicides and steroids and antibiotics and, you, you know, uh, bovine growth hormone and yep. blah, blah, blah. The list goes on and on. Xeranol, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now, 
when you walk into a restaurant, I, I have this same problem. I'm a guy who loves a good piece of salmon <clears throat> or a good steak. Yeah. Um, and I find myself, you know, drilling this poor waiter who <laughs> they don't want to talk to you. You know, what's your order? And then I'll get on. Can you tell me if it's grass-finished, grass-fed, grass-finished meat? Well, let me go check with the kitchen. Yeah, uh, yeah, he said it was. <laughs> you know. they, they don't even go to the kitchen. They just right. go around the corner <laughs> so, and then come back. <laughs> or is that farm-raised fish? Uh, uh, no, it's wild-caught. You know, I mean, how do you know? Well, first of all, you say, can you tell me where this fish came from and how it was, you know, was it, you know. Okay, good. How did it get here? Yep, okay, and, and it's in a big tank swimming around in a yeah. farm, running but, around in circles. When I went to China years ago, uh, I went to a fish restaurant, and they said, which fish do you want? I said, I don't see it on the menu. And he said, no, he pointed to a tank. And so I had to go over there and say, I want that one. <laughs> <laughs> and so they fished it out and, and, and prepared it for me. And that's fresh fish. That is fresh fish. Was it sushi? Did you eat it like <laughs> No, I, I had it cooked. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, organic food? There's such a, uh, there's such a movement in America, and boy, Yahoo and these search engines really do their business to steer people away very often from what the truth is. There's nothing wrong with regular food, you know. Don't worry about eating uh, organic with every meal. And maybe that's true, but I'd like to try and eat organic as much as I can. Yeah. My question to you is, I know where your heart is on organic food. Eat it when you can. How do we know when we go into one of these huge health food stores if that's really organic by that little sticker they put on? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the strictest organic standards in the United States are in California. But here's what you need to know about that. That in California, if you have not used pesticide on the soil for the last three years, you can call it certified organic. But if they used it four years ago, we know that almost all of that pesticide is still in the soil and taken up into the plant. So it's not truly organic, it's just cleaner than the average. Yeah. And we also know this, that there's 1.5 billion pounds of Roundup sprayed in the United States every year, and that there, if, if it rains on your organic crop, there's a 75% chance that there'll be Roundup in that rain. Yeah. You okay. live till you die. So, so the only way that you can truly have organic is you build your own greenhouse in your yep. backyard, haul in volcanic soil, and you know, make your own greenhouse. Make sure there's uh, air intakes on the greenhouse that have zeolite and charcoal filters that bring in only fresh air, and it filters out all the stuff that's in the air around your, around your greenhouse. Do you know Greg Emerson? I don't think so. He's in uh, Brisbane, Australia. He's a medical doctor, <clears throat> and uh, he's doing this. Uh, he and his love, and she is an amazing woman, Emma is her name, they are living on, I think it's a 50-acre ranch, and uh, they are literally, they don't go to the store. Um, they're literally self-sustaining. I mean, it, it's, he sends me YouTube uh, uh, yeah. snippets and so forth of what he's doing, but it's really interesting. Now, this ACIM, let's get back to that. Let's talk about your upcoming, this is in September. Uh, your meeting on cancer. Fill people in a little bit about what you're doing behind the scenes here with ACIM. Yeah, well, we were having uh, three international conferences per year in, uh, until 2014, but then we decided to do an integrative medicine fellowship program, and it was going to be way too much to do three international international conferences as well as a fellowship. So we scaled back to one international conference, and it's going to be the best one, I think, that we've ever done, September 22nd, 3rd, and 4th. And then we have a post-conference on the 25th over in Orlando, Florida. 
And uh, we have 27 speakers from all over the globe. We have uh, you know, Dr. Papasotiru coming from Greece to talk about the uh, test that he developed and also the therapy that he's developed from a, you know, working with a patient's own blood. He, he makes a remedy from their own blood and uh, sends that back to the United States for, for practitioners to administer. Dr. Kobayashi from Japan, you know, coming to talk about his 22 years worth of experience in reversing and preventing cancer and uh, all kinds of others. Uh, William LaValle from uh, Nova Scotia, now living in Texas, who's uh, developed uh, a software program where he has all the peer-reviewed references from the entire world literature about each type of cancer and what can be used as far as nutraceuticals as well as off-label wow. pharmaceuticals. And uh, just um, um, mind-blowing information from so many different practitioners that'll be there. Dr. Dr. Uh, uh, Joe Mercola is coming to speak uh, because uh, he's, he's writing a new book on a ketogenic diet. And uh, uh, Dr. Seafried, who wrote mm -hmm. the first book on ketogenic diet, is also coming to speak. And they're back-to-back -back speakers there. So That's, wow. You've yeah. got a line up there. Yeah. As the chairman of the Scientific Advisory Board, may I ask, and this may put you on, uh, you know, on the spot, and I don't mean to do that, but you're uh, washing tomorrow in the shower and you reach that bar of soap under your left arm and there's a mass, a big mass. It feels like a walnut. Mm -hmm. um, what would you, as a guy who's really hitting this committee and this lecture and so forth and has you know, many decades of experience, I know you're a cardiologist, but now you're seeing all kinds of illness. Um, what, what would you do? Yeah, well, back in the late late 80s and early 90s, I treated a lot of patients with cancer, uh, not because I was seeking to do that, but uh, the the family and friends referred them. I, was, I couldn't turn them away, so I so I helped patients with and cancer. You had great but, results. But back but then. every every patient, I would walk up to them and say, I'm, "I'm Dr. Cowden. I'm not a, I'm not an oncologist. I'm a cardiologist and an internist. I don't treat cancer. I treat the patient. If the cancer happens to go away, it's not my fault." <laughs> and uh, in in 1990. In 1991, my wife had pancreatic cancer, and so we treated that without surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy, and she's alive now these years later. Uh, in, in 1994, I had prostate cancer and colon cancer, and we treated that without surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy, and I'm still alive 22 years later. So it's, uh, it's not something that we need to be fearful of. That If you go into a fear mode, there's a good chance that it'll take you out. Mm -hmm. But as long as you get into a, a mode of, of you know, faith and hope and confidence, there's a good chance you'll still be alive. Dare I say the fear mode plus the therapies used, I've always, if the standard of care is three things, right? Radiation, chemo, and uh, surgery. And two of those are themselves carcinogenic. Right. I, I have to wonder what kind, how dare they use the word therapy in some yeah. of these things? I'm not opposed to a patient getting a surgical procedure to, to, to debulk a large tumor. I think that that's the wise thing to do. Uh, if a patient has a, a expanding mass in their brain, I think that you know some ra some ra you know radiation to that, uh, especially if you use uh, gamma knife, you know where it's focal radiation is is a re is a reasonable thing to do and a, a wise thing to do. If they have a, a tumor that's about to cause a pathological fracture of bone, then that's a reasonable thing to do some radiation on that. And I also think that if a person gets a low-dose insulin-potentiated chemotherapy, that chemotherapy is appropriate. But I think that full-dose chemotherapy is usually a bad idea. Or full-dose full insulin potentiation even, you know, too much sugar, right? I've yeah. often worried about that myself. Uh, what was his name? My friend in Chicago, 
oh, I wish I could remember his name. He started IPT, insulin potentiation, mm-hmm. decades ago and yeah, said... That, yeah, that was errors, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's saying it's just too much. He wasn't getting good results, or they were using yeah. too much chemo. Yeah, well, the, fir- yeah, the first doctor to do this was down in Tijuana, Mexico, Dr. Uh, Perez Garcia, I think was his name. But, uh, you know, and his grandson is still doing insulin-potentiated chemotherapy down there now. Well, what they do is they give 10% of the dose of chemotherapy that's usually used in the United States along with some insulin and glucose, and the insulin and glucose causes the cancer cells to take up the chemotherapy much more avidly. So it's about at least twice as effective as full-dose chemotherapy, but close to zero adverse effect. Is the thinking because the cancer cells thrive on sugar? So yeah. if you put a little poison in there with them, it's going to burst the cancer cell, and it really did make sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cancer cells take up that sugar because of the insulin, but they also take up the chemo at the same moment. Wow. Okay. And finally, today, how do they get more information on the academy? How can they too become health coaches or practitioners? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, everyone listening uh, could become a health coach if they chose chose to be that. Uh, and you know, so many people right now are dis discontent with what they're doing in their life. You know, they, they have a job, J-O-B, just over broke. And uh, so they need to, you know, consider going into healthcare if they have a passion for that. And uh, you don't have to spend four years in medical school and all that kind of stuff to do that. You know, you can actually help a lot of people, at, you know, as a wellness coach. And so we encourage people to do that. It's good if you're gonna do that to to align yourself with a health practitioner that is licensed so that they can give you some guidance and some backup. But uh, but you can help a whole lot of people. You know, just instructing people about diet, uh, lifestyle, exercise, you know, sleep, uh, relaxation, uh, you know, detoxification, all those other things. And so they can go to our academy website, acimconnect.com, become a a free general member, and then look at some of the free courses that we have on there already. And if they like what they see, then they can say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up for level one of, a, of the Integrated Medicine Fellowship Program. That's a, a 30-hour commitment, a, uh, about a $900 commitment, but it's not a huge pile of money. Right. And so they go through that, that 30 hours of training. At the end of that 30 hours, they say, wow, I can't believe how much I've learned here. And they start putting that into practice in their, in their lives and the lives of their family and friends. They say, that was worth it. I'm going to do level two. And they do the level two. So you don't have to commit to the whole fellowship. You just commit to one level at a time. But then they start finding people like you in your conferences and so forth and meeting like-minded doctors. Yeah. yeah you know my background. I was doing this 45 years ago you right. know, when I got back in Vietnam. And, and yeah. nobody stopped me. I, I had one of the same gifts you had of helping people get better. And it's ironic and it's fun that we're both sitting here today, you know, almost half a century later, doing this and now opening up, broadening our views, and you're enabling others uh, without a medical degree to begin getting involved in helping people. Yeah, you you don't have to have a medical degree. If anything, if you go to medical school, after you finish, you have to unlearn a bunch of that stuff, which is not applicable to health, uh, only applicable to illness. Yeah. You know, and uh, then, then learn some new stuff. Dr. Lee Cowden is the chairman of the Scientific Advisory Board of, now get this, write this down, A-C-I-M-Connect.com. A-C-I-M Connect. That stands for, that's an acronym, Academy of Comprehensive Integrative Medicine. So A-C-I-M-Connect.com. Dr. Cowden, yeah. love you. Thank you. Yeah, well, and we're about connecting you know, people with condition, bad, you know, challenging conditions with other people that have 
gone through that condition so they can get hope, connecting people with challenging conditions with health practitioners that can help them get over that condition without maiming them. Who better right. to help someone get well? Who better than a sick doctor whose medicines and surgery couldn't help him get better yeah. that pulled himself out? Now he can help yeah. people with yeah. prostate and bowel cancer. Yeah, and, and we're also about connecting practitioners to other practitioners so that you know everybody can continue to learn. You know, every place I go, I'll learn something from the people I encounter there. I keep saying finally, but I want to, did you ever see William Hurt and the Doctor? Yeah. Wasn't that an amazing movie? Yeah. Here was kind of a crusty old man seeing too many patients a day, then he gets cancer. Yeah. And uh, he really learned to become sensitive and soft-spoken and saw what he was doing to people. So thank you for all you're doing to help people. Thank you for all you're doing. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.